This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Pleasure to have everyone back and on today's show. I'm talking to Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30 on episode 47. It was an absolute pleasure having Rob on the show to talk about uh, the TV show, his business, you know, his hunting opportunities, and all the things are surrounding Beyond the Divide as a TV show. I think it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, what's coming up on the Australian Hunting Podcast? Well, there's a lot coming up. I'm still a little bit sick. You can probably hear from my voice. And tonight, uh, I think what will be on February, I think it's February 1st. No, it's January 31st. And tonight we're supposed to record our first episode of the Straight Shooting Podcast. But do a little bit sick. I'm probably just going to leave it one more week because I've been sick for about three weeks now, which is just completely ridiculous. But uh, I didn't want to record the show tonight. I can do this intro, but if I recorded the show for 45 minutes, I would have always would have been coughing and spluttering which is not great for the show especially our first episode of the straight shooting podcast so it'll be definitely out next week i can guarantee that which i think will be the 9th or no 10th or 11th of february uh that sunday the show will be out guaranteed and a lot of these intros i'm not going to do much on the intros anymore guys about you know news or politics because that's all going to be discussed uh on the new straight shooting podcast which is going to be out uh, every couple of weeks uh, every two weeks i think we've got a lot of content and my Myself and my co-host Mario have been talking on the phone uh, like every every day, if not every second day. And some of the content, if only we had recorded uh, our conversations. Mario always said if we he recorded these conversations, we'd have about fifteen episodes. Uh, absolutely amazing so a lot of these episodes pretty much just going to get straight into the show especially with guests uh we're just pretty much going to get into the show do the mandatory website stuff and then just get straight into uh the show because all the news uh, all the media all the politics stuff will be tackled in the new straight shooting podcast with my co-host mario coming up as i said on the 11th or 12th of february so i'm really looking forward to that i hope you guys like it uh, again we've got some pretty hard hitting stuff initially um, but again we're going to just going to take a bit easy once we get into the first show we're going to see the structure, see what uh, you know people think of the show, uh, and then just pretty much you know feel our way around until we get into the fifth or sixth episode before sort of you know we start letting loose, so to speak. Uh, as usual, if you want to go to the website AustralianHuntingPodcast.com.au. Uh, also, if you want to go to the website, you can do anything on the website. You can look at anything. You can check out, meet the host. Uh, you can look at our sponsors. Uh, you can uh, email me. Uh, you can look at all the previous shows. They're all available now on the website. I spent about, I think I developed the website uh, after about the 25th episode. So I finally got a chance to get all the episodes up on the website. So you can check them all out there. So definitely jump on AustralianHuntingPodcast.com.au. Uh, the Facebook page, you know, a lot of good content going there, a lot of different opinions, a lot of people getting hot under the collar, which I think is really good for uh, getting different people's opinions. I think that's healthy. So come on, come on there, post up your photos, your videos. I'd love to hear it all. Please uh, come on to the Australian Hunting Podcast Facebook page. Uh, sometimes I'm on Twitter. Sometimes I'll go for weeks on there. Sometimes I'll be on it. Sometimes I won't. But if you want to follow us on there, AH Podcast. Uh, AH Podcast on Twitter. If you want to email me for any reason, you can go to the website and click on the contact icon or you can email me at Podcast at gmail.com. 
Again, if you're on iTunes and you're one of our iTunes subscribers, please jump on there, rate the show, and leave a comment. If you if you with us on iTunes, please do that. I think it's really important. Uh, we're in the top 100 of the outdoor category on iTunes, which is absolutely fantastic. And this is the only hunting, shooting, and fishing podcast in Australia that combines all three and uh, gives you access to literally now over 50 hours uh, of awesome content since this podcast started in 2011. So that's absolutely awesome. Again, we're on Stitcher.com, so jump on Stitcher. You know, if you don't have access to iTunes, you're around somewhere in the world, uh, certainly please uh, jump on there. Listen to us. You can download us from anywhere in the world. You know, as long as you've got a Wi-Fi connection, you can simply jump on there and uh, listen to us from around the world, so Stitcher.com. As always, share the AHP with your friends and family. Flick them over a link. Tell them about it. Get them to listen to the show. Uh, again, there's a lot of different opinions. You're never going to agree on one thing, which I think is fantastic. Uh, we're all different. We've all got different opinions, and I think that's really important. This is just one one idiot's opinion, which is mine, and uh, hopefully I can get a lot of pe- more people on the show and give you more content from guests and more audience awesome uh, information from all the people that have come on this show and the future people that have come on the show too so that's awesome so share it around uh, also too if you want to donate go to the website australianhoneypodcast.com.au in the right hand widget bar there is a donation link of course donations uh, help we just we're developing the new podcast we just spent a lot of money on the new podcast so any donations obviously help that's always appreciated i appreciate all the listeners and i hope you enjoy the new straight shooting podcast but you know again i'll just say it someone again has hacked on my intro my signature sign off into the show i mean who honestly would do such a thing i think it's one of the best parts of the show and uh, obviously people have a little bit of a chuckle it's become it's i guess it's become a bit of a cult thing that i do on every show what would we be without it so without further ado let's rock this show beyond the divides rob fickling this is rob fickling from beyond the divide and maroka 30 and you're listening to the australian hunting podcast rob fickling welcome to the australian hunting podcast thanks for coming on the show really appreciate your time not a problem, Jason. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So, mate, mate, tell us, I guess, a bit about yourself for the listeners who don't know who you are. Okay. Well, yep. Yeah, uh, my real job is running Maroka 30. That's an Australian uh, brand of hunting gear for those that don't know. And I've always been a, a passionate hunter and, and shooter and outdoors person. And I suppose recently most people who know of me would would know from beyond the divide so that's a television hunting television series that uh, got going up in this country it was the first time that we got one of these on air and this has just been a passion of mine for a long long time to see this finally get on tv so yep that's me (laughs) yeah so what's your background i guess tell the listeners i mean how, how did you actually get into enjoying the outdoors becoming a hunter shooter fisherman all of the above was it a family tradition or how did you get into it yeah, definitely. It's in the it's in the blood. We've got um, uh, quite a few. Oh, going back in my family, there's a lot of military history there. I suppose a lot of people who served and still do, and um, you know, firearms are just an accepted part of the part of the part of the household. And I'm always brought up with safety in mind and enjoying the outdoors. Got a lot of relatives on farms interstate. I live in Metro Melbourne, but um, all my relatives are on farms interstate. And growing up, as anyone would know, uh, hunting and shooting's just a just a part of the landscape. So I really 
keen, uh, being a little, you know, being a young boy, I was just into it. My first uh, experience with hunting was hunting ferrets and uh, hunting with ferrets, sorry, hunting rabbits with ferrets down in Tassie, and then, um, yeah, and then uh, moving on, you know, chasing starlings with my with my one seven seven air rifle, yep. and one one day dreaming of you know taking on a fox or a pig or something like that. And, uh, you know, we all we all move on up. So yeah, just a just a part of it from a kid into it as much as I could be outdoors and cubs and scouts and ventures, and then you know pursuing military career and back in outdoors and then do this and yeah, it's where you end up, I suppose. Exactly. What age were you when you sort of first started? How old were you? Oh, look, as long as I can remember, I've been chasing things around and setting rabbit traps and trying to catch birds and all sorts of stuff. So I can't really put a uh, put an exact time on it. But I suppose, I looking back, uh, the main things I remember are when you know we first got the first our first air rifle in the family. It was my older brother's. He's three year older than me, and you know I was allowed to use it under strict supervision. That was a pretty defining moment and. I probably remember shooting my first starling with that and then shooting my first 410 shotgun. I thought I was a hero then. <laughs> yeah. uh, certainly when I shot my first bunny down in Tassie with that. Uh, so, yeah, no, no real no real defi- one defining moment, but lots all, mel- all melded together, I suppose. Exactly. So what's uh, Rob Fickling's favourite game species? Aren't? What does he enjoy hunting? Oh, look, that would have to be easily, without question, the samba. You know, they're just... They're just one of a kind. I'm lucky being down in here in Victoria. They're only a few hours away and so many thousands and millions of acres and hectares of wilderness to go and explore them. We're very spoilt. Exactly, mate. Tell us, now you run the business, Maroka 30. I guess, how did you get into doing that? Uh, how did it come about and what was the reasoning behind it? So, Maroka 30 was, a again, a, a passion of mine for a long time, I suppose, to see a genuine Australian brand in the... Uh, available to hunters with uh, basically stemming from my interest in, in the outdoors and for gear. And I've always been into camo gear and hunting gear as a kid. But uh, I think as the industry has grown, go- going back 10, 15 years, it wasn't a business like this couldn't really survive. And look, make no mistake, it's still tough. There's a hell of a lot of competition. But I really wanted to see an Australian band, brand with gear built for our conditions and built to a, a, a very high standard. You know, we have some very tough conditions over here and why should we see a lot of exposure from North America and New Zealand and places like that in Europe in hunting? Uh, Australia's no different. We've got conditions that um, are equal to an extreme to uh, – sorry, in our extreme and equal to many of those places overseas. So we've got a unique set of um, conditions to design for and I really wanted to take that challenge on and it just so it really just stemmed from passion but I also think there's a real need there for 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 gear for our our weather and our terrain yeah so, how um, long has it been going for anyway how long's uh, Moraga 30 been going oh well, look it took it took a few years sort of behind the scenes to get going I I, I was I'm originally a, uh, a horticulturalist by trade and and uh, I ran my own landscape construction business for 10 15 years before I moved into this so it went on a couple of years behind the scenes then we released the the store and uh, the online store and now our our, our our retail store down in Melbourne and into other shops around the country. So it's probably been going into its fifth or sixth year now, I think. It's um, it's hard to say. It's gone pretty quick. Yeah, give us a rundown. What sort of gear do you sell and what's, uh, what's popular with the uh, uh, purchasers that purchase the gear? Uh, we sell pretty much pretty much everything, really. There's a from, from head to toe, you know, they've got boots, 
socks, leggings, shorts, gaiters, uh, trousers, up to jackets, tops, um, and face veils, and then everything right through sleeping bags, sleeping gear, bivy bags, uh, cook sets. So pretty much a top-to-toe range of everything that you need for outdoors. But our specialists, our, my, you know, my niche and what I design for is Australian conditions and in particular lightweight hunting gear, you know, because we've had in this country for so long, you know, a lot of foreign gear and northern hemisphere gear that's very heavy and not as breathable and stuff as it should be for our conditions. So that's the niche that I designed for, so that's what a lot of that's customers find. But uh, most popular, I suppose, being summer is our snake-proof gaiters. That that's a <laughs> that's a product that that sells quite well. Obviously, in this country, with so many species of snakes, venomous and deadly snakes, they're pretty popular for hunters. Also, our boots. You know, I did a lot of work designing a boot for Aussie conditions in our mountains. Uh, that's been a good seller. And some of our high-end gear, like. Uh, top-end rucksacks and things like that that you know really are designed to last a lifetime yeah good stuff mate good stuff tell us about let's talk about the tv show beyond the divide and the reason why you created a hunting show okay pure and simply the reason this stemmed (laughs) a bit of back to i suppose maroka 30 you know why why in Australia do we have to be so far behind the rest of the world in our acceptance of hunting and shooting publicly? You know, we all do it. Um, there's plenty of it goes on. We know we're good citizens and we know we're honest. And why was there this glass ceiling that um, was a quote I used from Chris Boone over at Clayton Firearms. He said, you've broken the glass ceiling, Rob. And it was a good quote. There really was something stopping it. So, as part of the passion with Maroka 30 and, and being, you know, bringing this Australian hunting up to the level of everyone else, uh, I just, I just wanted to see it happen. It became, it was a bit of a dream. Then it became a bit of a crazy obsession, I suppose. The work involved was just ridiculous, and a lot of family and friends <laughs> questioned my mental <laughs> health and the reason why I was being so uh, stubborn about this and getting it on where so many people had failed before, I suppose. But you know, I think the time the time was right, and we had a good, good, clean product that showed the real reason. And I think it would. I always thought it would succeed. And you know, why can America have, you know, five hunting channels in Europe and New Zealand and Africa and everywhere else, but us? It's just crazy. Exactly. I guess for people that may not have watched it, uh, where can they watch it? How many episodes have currently been filmed, and what season are we up to? So we've just finished season one the first series that that started in may this year on channel 44 or 31 it's a community network but it's in um it's in capital cities uh, barring uh bar tassie in northern territory and act so it's screened in wa south australia melbourne sydney and brisbane and it is coming to a stop now there is a repeat on currently at the moment by the time this goes to where it's on in sydney and perth but the other states have unfortunately stopped and it will start up again for series two in may of 2014 the first series was 10 episodes a run for uh, 10 10 half hour episodes yeah so was the station airing it was it always a plan just to run it say for one season where you signed up for two seasons and i guess in the first season what was the uh was there any positive reviews and they picked up for a second season how does that work um, it's really, 
well, this is you know this is a self this is sort of community TV and and what's good about community TV now that you know they're open they're open to contributions from from across the board. So it's kind of defined by ourselves really and our sponsors and how viable the the product is long term, whether it's entertaining and whether the sponsors are happy and whether I can keep up with the workload. So they loved it put it that way after after we got jumped through all the hoops and it got on there that it's, it's been an absolute roaring success so yeah um they they want to see it continue and the sponsors want to see it continue so we've definitely got series two coming out i've just about finished <clears throat> excuse me filming series two as it is uh so that will be getting produced in the the, the new year and be ready so yeah you've definitely got a series two coming and um i'm pretty much over the line on series three i might do it for one more year <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there been any as we said we're talking about positive stuff so did the station get a lot of uh, any positive calls or emails and what about on the flip side obviously we're going to get a few uh greenies or whatever you want to call them making complaints how was the general feedback altogether was uh, was it good or okay well look understandably as a lot of other people around me were were quite nervous as to how this was going to go down and uh we can only say it was just totally positive look the the view the um the networks had a couple you know the odd the odd response but they get this with everything you know they're they're a community television station so they're broadcasting all sorts of hobby sports and religions and so it crosses over uh, lots of points of view. So they said for what it is, they considered it a huge success. But as with the minimal amount of negatives they got, they just got swamped with positives, particularly Sydney. They were Sydney and Melbourne were both just amazed. They uh, It went on Tuesday nights in Sydney and the director up there in Sydney said Wednesday morning was just a pleasure to go into work with all the positive emails and reviews and feedback they got. So that was that was really encouraging. It had huge ratings. It debuted sort of started between 20 30,000 people a week per per state there was that there was that many in melbourne and then that many again in in sydney and similar amounts in in perth and brisbane so that was that took a few people by surprise and was and was very rewarding now on the complaint side that was minimal look i i thought hey am i going to be targeted here or what am i doing putting my neck out online for this but I, you know, back to myself and the production, you know, we we did everything right. We did everything ethically and morally, just the way I hunt myself, you know, there's nothing prefabricated about it. So I thought if I do my best job and keep it keep it clear and clean and be proud of it myself, then most other hunters will be. And I didn't want to give anyone, any ante, anything to, to any ammunition, put it that way. And that showed I got, would you believe, the whole series I had one email. Yeah, one email from a um, unhappy person, from an animal liberationist. Yeah, <laughs> that called for the show to be taken down, and it was responded to by the networks that said they'll be doing no such thing, and they encourage it. So, yeah, that that's a positive, mate. Big positive. Before it even got started, how hard was it trying to sell it to that particular station? Did it take some, you know, arm twisting? Were they happy to hear you from the start? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? Obviously, how did it work? Um, how long you got? <laughs> this went on for a couple of years. I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the summarised version. The Wikipedia they definitely, version. <laughs> they definitely didn't approach me. Put it that way. They definitely say, "Hey, we want to put a hunting show on primetime TV. How do we do it?" Uh, no, I had to get in there and get 
get right in there, get in the get in the boardrooms, get in the meetings, get in their faces, show them the product, uh, explain myself, stamp my case out, plead my case, and uh, get the pilot up and going, and yeah, get every little bit through. So yeah, it did take it did take quite an effort. Yep. So who's involved with the show? I mean, let's talk about. You know, filming, editing, who does the editing? Do you do the editing? Just tell us about who's involved with the show. Okay. So, uh, basically, it's run heavily by myself. Uh, as, you know, this is a this is a community-produced production, really. I've got no backing other than the, the financial backing of our sponsors. So, that helps, but it does need to be uh, – the workload is, is mostly um, taken on by myself. So, um, I did film most of the first series myself. I had a couple of guys helping out with the cameras where they could, but um, apart from that, yeah, it was mostly a hell of a lot of setups and, and a lot of patience in the bush. And then, yeah, I uh, produced the show myself and, and do all the editing. Yeah, really? Okay, cool. So is that going to change again uh, to the second season? Is it going to pretty much stay the same or, or what, what's happening there? Um, oh, look, and, and with, regard, with regards to who's involved, basically they were sort of um, contacts of mine and friends, I suppose, uh, in, in the industry and mates that wanted to be involved. Um, naturally with this, you know, with any kind of um, media or, um, or spotlight on you as such, you have to make sure that your ethics and morals and your, your actions are 100%. So the guys involved were involved for a reason, that they were very responsible hunters and had a positive you know, outlook on the industry. So uh, they were, some of those guys have been involved in the second series as well. And um, some of them were just sort of hunts that popped up, you know, with mates, just pretty pretty casual kind of things. And uh, some of the editing, obviously with it being a bit more successful, I've got a bit more of a financial backing and I can try and share that load a bit with some, uh, with some guys that are helping with the cameras and also starting to do the basic editing. With a show like this where it's such an adventure-based show and I'm out there involved and it's very hard to take it to an external editor and say, put this together, is, you know, they'll just go, you know, what the hell were you hiding up a tree for or from a moose that was chasing, you know, that's not good TV, I'll cut that out, but, you know, <laughs> guys want to see that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do have to get in there and do it myself, which I enjoy. It's just a very, very big burden on my time. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good question. How hard is it? Uh, to let, you know, I know this from myself from doing this show. How hard is it to let someone in and take a little bit of the control away from you? Oh, look, that that, that is tricky. That is tricky. Definitely, the right guys, the right guys are a, are a huge asset. You know, here when when they're when they're out there with you and experiencing and and helping you get the shots. It's all about it's all about time and having the same vision to slow down. You know, we really have to sure we're out there on camera. It looks like we're having these great adventures, but we have to sacrifice a lot of our own hunting time to do these shows you know we put in huge hours trying to find these animals to film them and make each episode a success for the viewers in the fact that we do find animals and perhaps take them it, it, it takes a hell of a lot of patience you know carting around cameras and stuff and, and and all the equipment and getting these shots when the animals move and trying to trying to take one on film as well so I, I do test the patience of a lot of the guys involved. Uh, they they're all they're all up for it, and yeah, I, I don't think I could ever really give it away to someone to edit externally. I don't think the finished product would ever be the same, or that quality would be there. 
Exactly. How long, speaking of that, you talk about you know, the length and how long it takes. How long does it say to take to film one episode? Do you do it over a weekend or how long does it take? I wish we could do it over a weekend, but I don't think we've ever done a show in less than about four or five days in the bush, put it that way. Oh, there was, there's probably one in the second series that um, it's a chamois hunt that, that went over a day, but that was part of a sort of a 10-day trip. Um, so it takes it takes a hell of a lot of time to get that footage, yeah. I'm really not out there to kind of, you know, to try and, to try and punch this out as a production line kind of show. I want to show it for what it is. You know, most people go away for a few days and, and get out there and immerse themselves in the bush and the animals, and I really want to tell that story. So it takes a fair bit of time, and I've got to give it that time. Uh, so when we went to Canada, for example, um, chasing that mountain goat, that was a 10-day hunt, but we just couldn't get it done in the time. So we stayed on for 18 days, cancelled our flight. So when 18 days in Canada, <laughs> the other side, the other, <laughs> oh, the other side of the world. You know what I mean? just, that's what you just tell people, oh, we couldn't get it done, we'll just stay longer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'm over there with a camera, no rifle, climbing up mountains, questioning what the hell am I doing here trying to film this mountain goat. Should be hunting. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so it does does take a long time. I think probably, I'd, I'd probably think four to five days is the average time period for a hunt, but, I used to worry about that at the start, but I've I've I forgot, I've cleared that now. You just when it's done, it's done. You know, when you got the footage and the story's done, that that's when we go home. Sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it doesn't. Are you under any time frames for the season two, or is it pretty much when you get it done? How does that work with the uh, TV station? Oh no, I I, I kind of control when it's booked in. I had to give myself a lot of time. They wanted more. They they they'd run they it more do. if they. <laughs> If they can, yeah, but I just can't, yeah, can't do it. Can't. Uh, it's not like a fishing show where we can sort of launch in the morning, and go out and have it done in the afternoon, and take it to the editors. You know, we're very strict with our, as we know in this country, with our seasons and yeah. and, and and our weather. Uh, so it does take. I pretty much just allow a year to do it, and uh, we were aiming for back on in May. So the in May of two thousand and fourteen, early May. So. The network's been notified and they're they're ready to go when we are as the sponsors are. And it's a good time of the year with everyone gearing up for the season as it gets busy and everyone's hunting again. Exactly. I guess for people, let's say someone hasn't seen the show, what can they expect to see on the show and what aspects do you show and what animals are either taken on the show? So in the first series, we hunted uh, everything from fallow deer through to um, pigs and goats. And then, yeah, there was a mountain goat hunt overseas and then, we were hunting Wapiti in Fjordland in New Zealand and I got over to Africa to chase kudu. So there's pretty much uh, everything that, you know, everything you'd, you'd expect to hunt as a hunter legally, we, uh, we're going we're gonna to chase or aim to chase, especially the Australian species. And the show is about, you know, grass roots, hunting, why you get out there and, and, and do it, you know, enjoying the bush, enjoying the solitude, enjoying these wild open places that, you know, only hunters really get to experience bushwalkers really don't get to experience any of the uh the delights we get to as hunters being out in the bush and, and it's as much about letting the ones go that it, you know that it is about the ones we take you know there's lots of animals we film and pass and and just enjoy their company rather than than hunting them so yeah you'll you'll see everything and any hunter any hunter will relate to it as much as non-hunters have as well and we've got a lot of good feedback from them saying that maybe watching that show they understand why they're their brother or their father-in-law or their husband why they get out there and do it you know they haven't been able to understand it but watching a show and 
seen them get out there and bush in the bush and enjoy themselves, they can kind of put the puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle, and together and go. Well, hey, it's just it's not all about killing. It's just about getting out there and and enjoying it and experiencing the the whole hunting experience. Yeah, has there been any interesting things, funny things that have happened on the show, blunders? You know, sometimes that happens where someone's fallen over or some interesting funny times or, you know, <laughs> someone didn't take the footage properly or didn't press the record button or anything oh, like that? Oh, yeah, or? it's been all of that. It's been all of that. I, I'm as much to blame as anyone else, so I really can't I really can't blame anyone else for that. There's just certainly been plenty of times we've fallen over. Yeah, I've, uh, I've gone up... Uh, up end uh, probably every day, every show. Some of the places we're in, it just it's just it's part of the job. Uh, but yeah, there's been some certainly some um, some memorable experience with some, some good mates, some hard times, getting stuck out in the bush in BC after coming up that hill and coming down at night and we couldn't get back and camping out under the forest in the middle of the night and with no with no shelter whatsoever. That's up there and series two. We just came back from a um, from a self guided elk wilderness backpack elk hunt in the states and i um <laughs> i tried out i tried out my moose call that i learned from youtube because you know we've got so many <laughs> moose to practice on in australia so yeah. these moose were rutting and uh supposedly and i heard one off in the distance and i gave a few moose calls and and <laughs> and it worked to my astonishment this moose appeared out of nowhere this bull moose and basically wanted to use us as a doormat and uh, having bows and arrows makes you feel pretty damn small against the six foot, oh, yeah. you know, five hundred pound moose. So yeah, you can tune into series two to see how that worked out. They but, get pretty angry too, those old moose, especially in the running period. This they can, <laughs> they can really do some damage, eh? Yeah, yeah, I know that now. Yeah, yeah, they sure can. They get very grumpy, and I won't be doing that again. No. <laughs> oh well, good, good, be good. Hopefully, we'll see some of it in uh, season two. Yeah. Um, Another interesting part here is uh, TV stations. Now, I've watched Beyond the Divide, and they generally, most shows, depends on what country you're in, they won't promote, say, the kill shots or the action shots or whatever you want to call them on camera. Mm-hmm. Was it hard dealing with, uh, you know, the uh, TV station uh, airing it? Were they against it? Were they okay? I mean, I know I've seen some shots in the Beyond the Divide where they've been, you know, further out, you've been zoomed out, and they sort of, you have seen it. So, w- what was that trying to either sell it to them or yeah. against it? The approach, look, that that's obviously <laughs> the that's obviously the big the big point. You know, how is this going to be treated? So, uh, in in getting it across the first time, you know, they, they didn't know what to expect. You know, this was the first time it happened on TV in this country. They were all very very inquisitive as to how the kill was going to be you, you know was going to be portrayed and how I was going to approach it. So I just did it tactfully you know i didn't want to exclude it i was i was very adamant about that you know we're out there to hunt and you know these animals do get 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 killed they get killed cleanly it's no different to an abattoir or anything like that so i didn't want to desensitize everyone anyone from that but at the same point you know there's there's a way you can do it tactfully so we didn't want any you know gratuitous close-ups of of animals and impact shots or any any blood and guts and 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 sure we we've kept it we've kept it really clean uh and overly clean and cleaned up all the animals you'll definitely see more blood and guts on csi or anything else than you will on on beyond the divide but that's that's done for a reason you know people don't need to see that we don't want to put anyone off that 
that animal's died. We respect it. We want to utilize it. Um, the blood and guts has nothing to do as as no point in the show. So there's there's no point no point showing it or dwelling on it. Let's move on. So we just stayed stayed wide, stayed clean, and I'll always show the kill shot as best and as respectfully as we can. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of show. It depends on the show, you know. There's some people that show it, some that don't. But I always say I'd like to. I don't know, it's something like, you know, getting up to that point and then not showing it, you feel sort of let down, you know. I feel let down when I watch the shows sometimes when that happens. And I mean, I know the best part up until that part's important, but it's like you've watched all that, you've built it up, and then not getting able to see that is just, you know, sometimes you feel a bit let down. But I know... Oh, we'll... definitely, and that's what we do to, you know, that's what we do to hunt. You know, that, that, that shot is what it's all about, and that's where you you feel that connection and that's when, you know, usually the sorrow and remorse kind of kicks in. You know, you've just, you've just killed an animal and as hunters, we all, we all feel that. I think when you stop feeling that, you're in it for the wrong reasons. And, um, yeah, had to, had to show that connection. That's a crucial part of it. And, um, if, yeah, if some other shows in the States or whatever, they want to take that out. I've, I've had some other stations interested in talking about airing the show and, that's a bit of an issue, but you know the shows as it is. If they want to cut that out, then won't, we, we're not going to do it. So, exactly. I know you were talking about before uh, going to different countries. So, um, obviously, obviously, we know it's not filmed in Australia, or some of it's filmed in Australia. But what can we expect to see overseas, especially in season two? You're going to be going to different countries, the majority of in Australia. Tell us yeah, about season two. Yep, season series two so far. Oh, yeah, now we've wrapped up. It is it, I try to keep it fifty-fifty, put it that way. Um, so we've got that balance again. Um, off to yeah to North America and New Zealand again in in series two, and the rest of it's filmed back home. Um, you know, there's so many hunters these days uh, that that look to broaden their horizons overseas, and uh, it travels very affordable, and access is great, and there's lots of great guides out there, so people like to roam around and i think that's a great part of hunting i also really wanted to keep the international side of it in the show for the viewing public you know to normalize this you know you go to new zealand and you know you mentioned you're a hunter and you're welcomed with open arms by anyone you know same in america same in europe but you know why is that not here so it's an important part for me that there's a good international content in it that shows hunting in a normal light so that we normalize this in this country yeah when getting back on yourself a little bit too when you go hunting a lot of people this can be a contentious issue some people hunt you know because of their culture some people hunt for meat enjoyment camaraderie going out with friends uh why does rob fickling hunt oh good question it's just (laughs) it's just part of me i suppose it's just um yeah, that's a question that's it's really hard to answer. I I thought about it beforehand, and I just love being out. I just love being out in the bush and being out in the wilderness. And it's you know it's one of our oldest cultural pursuits. It's in our blood. I just feel that instinct, I suppose, to to get out there and and get back to nature and and hunt. It's it's what I enjoy most about being in the outdoors, um, and 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 taking on those animals. I suppose I love stalking animals i i shoot or kill a very small component of all the animals that we stalk or get close to or within range i love letting them go or taking a photo or filming them uh it's just i don't know i can't help it top of the food chain it's just in my blood 
<laughs> do you only go hunting or do you do any other types of shooting or is it mainly just hunting for you or pistols, shotguns, rifles? What do you no, like? No, I don't look, I, obviously I'm very limited with time, unfortunately, with, with work and, and this show really does consume most of my available time for hunting my beloved samba hunting i haven't been able to go this year you know privately apart from <laughs> stuff with the show so yeah it does chew my time but uh no i'm look i'm not a big um recreational shooter as such or target shooter i um i really just sort of side in my rifles and then it's purely hunting for me from then on i do i have enjoyed some you know have a dally with shotgunning over the time i like i, I have an english a german shorthead pointer sorry and uh, it's great to get him out on the quail and the birds and i had to sharpen up my skills on the, yeah. um, on the with the shoddy down at the, at the, at the trap club uh, otherwise my dog was going to leave me for other blokes that could that could hit him ah <laughs> uh, good stuff i guess let's talk about who who sponsors the show uh who's the sponsoring of the show and who's on board okay so the major sponsor which uh the the company that's been integral in getting it all up and going is beretta australia they've been great to deal with i was dealing with them from the very start in, in floating this whole thing. So Beretta are the importers of Ticker and Seiko and Burris and Steiner and lots of other high-quality products. And they're the major sponsor. And we've also got some national sponsors that are the Australian Deer Association, the SSAA, um, Hornady and Arctic Cat as well as uh, some gun shops, uh, like a Bella's Gun Shop in Sydney and also O'Reilly's down in Melbourne. And the other sponsor is the uh, the SHOT Show. Yeah, cool. So, and, yeah, sorry, go on. And, yeah, a few little other ones along the side, like a couple of the guides that have been associated with us or helped us out. Excellent, mate. We've got five questions under a minute. This is our segment. I want to see if you can take the challenge. Do you think you'll be able to take the challenge? I think I will, keeping me, mate, to under one minute. Under hard, one minute, five questions, Rob. People have come and they've failed before. <laughs> so there's been a few that have made it, so I hope you can make it. So what I'm going to do, as soon as I start uh, asking the first question, I'm going to start the clock here and we'll see how you go, all right? And I've right, I'm ready. Even though some of the ones I've changed here, I've changed up a few bit of the order just to throw you off a little bit as well. So <laughs> we'll see how we go. All right, all right three, me. two, one, go. All right, what is your favorite color and why? 30.06 is it's all round. Take everything from, you know, small game up to big game if you need it. All right, favourite game species to hunt and why? Samba, just awesome. Toughest species on the world to hunt. Uh, proudest moment working on Beyond the Divide and what was it? <laughs> Some little kid emailed me to say he'd gone and dressed as me to a school dress-up show. That was pretty funny. Yeah, what was your best hunting experience you had while out hunting and what was it? And Yeah, what was it? Uh, my best hunting experience personally is taking, yeah, my, my, my biggest Samba stag to date. That was a good reward. Yeah. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, uh, where would it be and why? Ooh, that'd be Kosciuszko National Park. And we want to hunt there because it's awesome and it should be a national park open for hunting. Ooh, not bad. You've succeeded, Rob Pickling, beyond the divide, 51 seconds. That might be some sort of record, I think, actually, <laughs> seeing, go. you know, how it go bigger. Excellent stuff. Well, mate, mate, tell us, uh, before we're about to finish off, uh, tell us a story about maybe a best hunt or a personal accomplishment, something that stands out in your mind as the, one of the best days in Rob Fickling's life. One of the best days. Okay. Look, one of the – look, in New Zealand last year – 
we did a series. We did. A, I did a two-part episode on on Fjordland and hunting the Wapiti over there, and that's an amazing place. Fjordland is just an incredible environment. You know, it's so picturesque. It's so steep. It's one of the craziest environments on earth with rainfall, and it's just tre- it's treacherous but beautiful at the same time. And I've had quite a few good hunts there over the years to get to go in a ballot and draw the block we did the george block it's all balloted hunting over there it's quite complicated i won't go into it but to to be to aim to film this series last year and to draw that george block and be able to document that hunt and the history of, of fjordland and get in there and have a big whoppity bull come out and bugle at us and get that on film also not get rained on for 10 days in a ballot hunt that was just incredible amount of luck like fjordland just serves up i've been in there and had 300 mil of rain you know in one night you know 30 30 centimeters of rain it's just incredible the, the treatment that, that place dishes up and you know i went in there with camera gear and it's the most horrible place in the world to film because the environment and it just it just shined on us like you know it was almost like <laughs> mother nature was looking <laughs> down going oh there's some good karma here for you rob you know i'll let you and your camera go through and as hard work as it was i don't think i'll ever do it again it was just physically taxing uh trying to film in there i, I didn't carry a rifle i just carried a pack and camera gear and, and documented it but that's great you know it was a story that needed to be to to be told and i'm really proud of that i suppose yeah i've got one trying to throw one more question here so this is an interesting one i ask a lot of people i've got a segment the everyday hunter where i just talk to you know, regular guys like, you know, even like us, I guess, that like to go out yep. and hunt. But what is, I asked you before, like, what, you know, what do you enjoy about it? But what does it mean to be a hunter to you? What does it mean to be a yeah. hunter to me? And what does it, it mean means, to you? It means that I've got a, I've got a valid connection back to, you know, back to the bush, I suppose. I've always just loved the bush, but that hunting hunting connects me to it i suppose in a way that people don't understand you know you can sort of look at the bush but you can appreciate look at photos and get out in it but when you're in it you know you can i said this in the series where else can you where else other than hunting can you get out in the bush and be so totally immersed than at one with your surroundings when you you know where you can hear your own heartbeat you know you know what's going on when you're stalking and you're paying attention to the wind and you're paying attention to the sun and your shadow and every sound your senses are working overdrive you've got your ears your eyes your smell that you, you can't get that anywhere else in life really and that that means the most to have that connection back with the land you just feel so organic and in, involved it's great that's right. I never thought about it like that. I guess, you know, when you go out to a national park or people go to a lookout, I guess they're really just using their eyes, aren't they? They're really just, you know, they're seeing what's in front of them where if you're hunting, you're sort of living it, aren't you, really? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. every senses, yeah, you know. It's that third, fourth dimension, you know, using that that you can't describe to someone who hasn't done it, you know, hasn't been there. Uh, you know, you, you're taking, you're trying to pursue an animal. For them, it's life and death. It's everything for them and you kind of hold that roll that dice with them and hold that control and it's up to you to to decide whether you're taking this animal for a reason or you're going to let it go and that's sort of quite powerful but you know you've got a responsibility Mm. there as well and i think that's great to be you know in to be able to control that that balance and and have the give and take and you know be part of the part of the ecosystem 
Absolutely, Rob. Very well said. I liked what you said there. I guess if people wanted to find out more about Beyond the Divide, Maroka 30, everything in between, websites, Facebooks, you name it, give us the details where everyone can go and check it out and the uh, and your store as well. Okay, Facebook, our old friend Facebook. Check us out on Facebook. <laughs> if you just dial in Beyond the Divide TV, you'll, uh, you'll find that. Obviously, the website is beyondthedivide.com.au. You can get on there and catch up with what's happening in Series 1 and Series 2. Now that Series 1's finished, we've got our DVDs available, so anyone that's missed out on the broadcast, grab yourself a DVD and you can catch up on it all. And Maroka30 is maroka30.com.au. There's the online store there, and you can also ask and see any of our gear in gun shops around the country. We'll also be at the Wild Deer Show in February down here in Bendigo. We'll be up in Sydney for the SHOT Show in May and uh, various other shows around the country in Brisbane and Townsville. And, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We'll be Beyond the Divide Series 2. We'll be back on in May. Excellent stuff. That's it. Grab your DVDs, folks, because, you know, Christmas time is coming. Plenty of time to grab presents for your loved ones and your hunters and your family. So that's it. good stuff. So, Rob, thanks for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Come on, chatting about Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30, sharing your experiences in hunting, shooting, and uh, what goes into, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into making a TV show, mate. So hopefully uh, all the best in the future. Hopefully the business goes well, and hopefully we see much more of Beyond the Divide and many more seasons to come. So thanks again. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for the listeners. Keep up the good work, mate. Doing a great job. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.